Like, just leave us alone. If you're going to let me do it, let me do it. Can't let it go. He can't let it go. Wow, helicopter host. Go. Have you screwed the whole thing up yet? Can you just... Do I still have a podcast? Chris, can you just kick him out? Uh, yeah, hang on. Uh, stand by. One, one sec. Chris, 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 wait. The only thing I ask, James, mm-hmm. don't f*** up the name of the podcast. It's called Got Your Back. Got Your Get arse. It Right. Gotcha. Why do you have a towel over your I shoulder? No, you're not doing an interview. You're not doing a first period intermission interview. That's <laughs> uh, from the workout, I guess. Today's uh, deltoids and calves. Why is it the cheesy pink resort? Is that James? Not everybody can afford a villa in Turks and Caicos. All right, not all of us. Someone took all of the money at Bell. We can't oh afford God. Turks and Caicos. We lied. We lied. Get him out. Get him out, Chris. Okay. He's the boss today, right? Have a good so, show, boys. People are already Don't calling back, it the best man. episode ever. <laughs> What's going on, folks? Welcome to Got Your Back NHL Edition. LeBron and Rashad. We've got a great podcast in store for you this week, mainly because I am not going to be on it. Yes, likely I'm sitting toes up on a beach right now with a margarita in my hand. I have pre-recorded this intro, and the plan was for James Duthie to sit in the host's chair and take over duties. The problem is James, not very technically savvy, and if he couldn't figure his stuff out, I might intro James, and it'll be somebody else sitting there. So if that's a little awkward, sorry. That's how we roll here on Got Your Back. And of course, as always, Got Your Back, LeBron and Rashog is brought to you by Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals. They provide equipment and supplies to all facets of the Canadian construction industry. But what sets them apart is their get-or-done attitude. It's a core value of the company. I've been to the head office. I've seen it. It's right there on the wall. The employees live by it. They live by that credo because they don't ever want to let the customer down. No excuses. Cross Country Canada takes great pride in this attitude, and we are proud to have them as title sponsors here on Got Your Back, LeBron and Rashog. Without further ado, lots of trades talk, trade speculation, great hockey conversation coming your way. Our host this week, James Duffy. Uh, welcome to the uh, most credible edition of the Got Your Back podcast so far. Uh, I'm James Duffy filling in for uh, Ryan Rashog who is at a uh, some sort of spiritual meditation retreat in 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 Mexico. I Darkness sent me the, room. Yeah, he sent me the brochure. It's one of those ones where you you get in touch with your body uh, uh, spiritually and sexually. Um, it awakens things within. So uh, I hope that goes well for him. Uh, he's needed it for a while. Uh, Pierre Lebrun, of course, Mike Johnson. Are you guys regulars? I don't yeah. listen to this thing. I listen to true crime podcasts. It, it, it's, it's great. It's great that uh, that Ryan thought so highly of my potential as a future host in this business that it was never even a thought. And so, in fact, he reached out to a guy with seventy four thousand Canadian Screen Awards to uh, replace him. It's good to know. I, I actually have a theory that he didn't want me to host this because every time I come on, it's a disaster, both technically and 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 otherwise. But I think he only wanted me to do this, Pierre. Because he wants to be able to say that I was his fill-in. So that every time I see him, he can say, hey, fill-in. That's right. He filled in for me as host. I think it's long been mm. long been a dream of his. Uh, yeah, I, every time I come on this podcast, things go wrong. Uh, actually, I don't even ever do podcasts from home anymore. The podcast we do, Rubber Boots podcast, we do from studio because my Wi-Fi is so bad. So let's hope it holds together. If not, you guys can take over. Uh, also, the last time I was on the podcast, I don't know if you can, can you see my little dog? Yeah, I was just going to uh, say. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. So Willow uh, is my, dis- I have two dogs. Willow's disabled. She doesn't use her back legs very well. And MJ, uh, my, my, I think my only appearance, <laughs> which makes sense, on the Gotcha Back podcast this year, uh, Willow uh, pooped live, <laughs> live on the podcast. <laughs> But there was quick scoopage from you while we were still chatting about something, although I broke down several times while you were scooping. Uh, <laughs> well, the funny thing is I, I had to do another one, just, you know, somebody else's podcast where you're the guest for an hour uh, later, like within a week or two of that. And she did it again. But this time, you know, I didn't know the person well, and we were talking about some sort of serious matters. So I didn't like with you guys, I could just walk away and clean it up, but I, I couldn't walk away and clean it up. And so for the entire hour, I'm in this little office. It did not let it with, fester. Oh, 
It was just horrible. So anyway, we hope Willow cooperates. And uh, for the listeners and, and viewers at home, I hope there's there's nothing revolting. I'll try to block her if anything anything awful comes out of it. Uh, but thank you for having me on, guys. That was uh, that was a highlight of the year, pretty much. Yeah, I, yeah, it wasn't good. Um, okay, so it's time for the breakdown. Did I get that right? That's beautiful. Nailed it. All right. The Breakdown is brought to you this week by Liberty Smart Security, a company that specializes in having your back. High-quality, advanced smart security systems for your home or your business. Liberty Smart Security uses leading-edge technology to protect the things that you value most in life. Like I said, on a beach in Mexico, I've got the Liberty Smart Security system protecting my house as we speak. Your home is your castle. Protect it with Liberty Smart Security. Visit libertysecurity.ca. Once again, James Duffy. Worried. I got the uh, the evil quiz master sent me a, a missive. I wasn't even aware. Yeah. High maintenance uh, podcast today. Oh, the evil quiz master who, for the listeners who don't know, I always talk about him on, on our shows. Uh, he's the guy who kind of ran uh, our show with TSN Hockey. And then he semi-retired. So he doesn't really hang around much except for the quiz. He throws in a quiz every once in a week. But now he's he's on this podcast. So it was like this weird deja vu where I woke up this morning and got a podcast missive uh, to follow along with. Because I don't know, my podcast, we just... I don't the, the, the quiz master made right one, one very sly decision after he took on employment with this podcast. He, he communicates only with Ryan. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. That's, that is very smart because yes. it would be over. He gave me the old uh, text this morning, you free to talk at eight? And I'm like, oh, God. No, no, I am not. <laughs> yes. Uh, so anyway, uh, he, uh, you see, I was worried, you know, I know that this is the, na- this is kind of the national version of the pod, right? I hope so. And Ryan has like an Oilers version because mm-hmm. I saw the Quizmaster wanted to talk about the Leafs and I didn't want to upset everybody in Edmonton. By being one of those guys who talks about the Leafs, but the Quizmaster assured me this is the national podcast and that he felt the Leafs were the main story from last night. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I came home, watched the third period of the Oilers game. I guess they played like garbage for the first two, but just decided in the third, let's go play well and win, which they did. And they that needed that win. Yeah. Uh, but MJ was in Buffalo uh, doing the Leafs game. Pierre was on set doing insider trading. And that was, you know, Leaf fans get giddy easy, but uh, when Ryan O'Reilly scores two goals in the first five minutes, ends up with a hat trick, um, there's reason to get excited. O'Dog, who was sitting next to me on the panel, tweeted uh, about eight minutes into the game, I hope alumni get rings. (laughs) (laughs) Timely. Uh, yes, which will go over well at every other market in the country. Wait, wait, uh, what? Are they gonna, they're going to give out rings if they finally win a playoff series? Oh. <laughs> oh, they might. They might. Uh, what are what are your impressions, both of you, uh, of the first three three games of O'Reilly and I guess Achari as well with the Leafs, MJ? Well, I mean, I think uh, pretty good given what we saw last night from Ryan O'Reilly. I think the conversation isn't so much about Ryan O'Reilly and you know how he how he can play. We've seen that. We know he's good. It's not so much about Nolachari, you know, how he can play. We've seen that. It can be pretty good, but more how they fit. And I think that was the big conversation to me. It's not that Ryan O'Reilly doesn't make you better. Of course he does. But like when you put him in your top six, now you have three centermen, one of whom's gonna have to play on the wing if you commit to those guys playing together in the top six. And whether it was Tavares or O'Reilly. Uh, how would they do playing on the wing? That was the com- that was the concern. That was the question for me. It was answered pretty well last night, and and even really the first couple of games where John Tavares has looked relatively comfortable, and he's gotten around the pocket, he's gotten enough mm-hmm. touches, he hasn't gotten lost, which you can do playing along the wall. And then Ryan O'Reilly takes faceoffs. He wins seventy five percent of them. He plays in his own end, and then the worry about foot speed, which I think is genuine between O'Reilly and Tavares, that might have been Mitch Marner's. Best game as an NHL player, and that is saying something. Like, he wow. was incredible. Spectacular. Spectacularly good. And so he can do a lot of that legwork with his feet to drive the pace to maybe help the other guys along a little bit. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to like. Sheldon Keefe has been tinkering around with his third and fourth line all year long. He loves the idea of Achari on the fourth line. He likes the way it's set up right now. So, yeah, it, it goes pretty well so far. I don't know, Pierre, if they stay this way forever. Uh, with O'Reilly and Tavares playing together and don't go one, two, three down the middle. But for now, um, I don't know how you could be upset with what you've seen so far. 
No, it's been spectacular. I think at some point you got to try the one, two, three center setup before the end of the regular season, uh, just to, so that you know you can go there without hesitation come playoff time, depending on matchups. But I want to get to the playoff matchups because I was thinking of a Tampa Toronto series right away the last couple of days watching the Leafs with O'Reilly in the lineup. And one of the things that I keep coming back to is that we know from last year's series that John Cooper wants Anthony Sorelli on Austin Matthews whenever he can. Harder to do on the road without last line change, but. It's all about the Sorelli, uh, Sorelli and Matthews. You know, <laughs> this line, if, if it can continue to, you know, I'm not saying it has to have a game like in Buffalo every night, but if, if, if you know, this is a, a number one line on a lot of NHL teams, Martin O'Reilly and Tavares. It presents a completely different challenge, I think, for Tampa Bay in the first round. And that's the point here, I think. And it's why the Leafs, you know, they'll deny they ever made a trade because of who they're playing in the first round. But let's be honest, they knew the path was Tampa and then maybe Boston. You have They'll to deny make- it, but do you think they think about Like, do you think that actually... Yeah. It's, a, it's a weird way to look at things because you're trying to win the Stanley Cup and you have four different opponents you'd have to play to get there. But it's hard to not think of the first round because of their history in the first round and because yeah. of who they're playing, right? And I think this presents a, a, a more imposing challenge to the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, you know, I, I interviewed Julian Breeze about a couple of weeks ago and he absolutely said he does not react to what rivals in a division are doing at the deadline in terms of what Tampa's going to do. But boy, if I was him today and, and they don't have, you know, they have like no cap room and they also don't have any first round picks. So the lightning never stopped is, them before. Never stopped them before. <laughs> I think, I, I think they have to go out and, 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 and at least for their top nine, you know, whether it's a Barbashev or someone like that, they got to go find another piece if you're the Tampa Bay lightning, because what you're facing here in the first round is pretty formidable now in terms of matchups. I wonder if the NHL ever gets to the NBA point where in the NBA, they're dealing first round picks for like eight years down the road. Perfect. Right? In the NHL, maybe like maybe you get two Ooh. years sometimes. Well, occasionally, the thir- three years. But like Tampa will get, be at the point where they're like the 2032 first rounder, 2037 second rounder. Why not? Something. <laughs> Who cares? The draft might not even look the same by then. Let her fly. I think Keith, Keith probably des- deserves some credit for for trying that because I think the obvious when they made the trade was yeah. to go one two three with the centers mm-hmm. and uh, I know the evil quizmaster has been arguing to us all year that he should be a candidate for coach of the year. I don't think he'll win that with you know no. every, everything that's going on around the league, but that you know short term three games. But well, it's interesting, uh, James, that he one of the one of the things he did, one of the reasons why he did it was that he wanted to get Ryan O'Reilly, the new guy, the centerpiece. One, playing with the best players, right? So get him with the top six guys and maybe not put him down on the third line where he's playing with someone else. And he wanted the new guy to get to play in the middle where he's in his natural position. He was worried or trying to accommodate O'Reilly because he was new. And I guess, you know, allegedly Sheldon has talked to John Tavares over the years about possibly playing the wing at times. And they do it sometimes out of breaks and out of power plays and penalty kills and stuff. But um, yeah, like to accommodate O'Reilly, a guy as... As accomplished as he is, he was trying to make his transition as easy as possible. That's why they decided to put him in the middle and not Tavares. By the way, if Jim Montgomery doesn't win the Jack Adams, yeah. they will actually retire the Jack Adams. I am 100% with you on that. Uh, we asked a question on the quiz last night, which we've asked before, but I guess the context changed with the O'Reilly deal, which is how many rounds the Leafs have to win this year for the season to be declared a success? You know, Is it ultimately just the Stanley Cup? getting to a Stanley Cup final, getting to a conference final, or, you know, considering their history, just getting by Tampa. How would you two answer that question? Well, if it's me, and, and like, you got to remember who you're going against, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I'd say one round. Like, if they beat Tampa, and then what, they lose to the team that gets 135 points? Like, are you going to say that's a, that's a, it's, of course, it's disappointing. But is it a failure? I, mean, mm-hmm. I don't think so. Um, like, Boston is one of the best teams of all time, and you don't beat them. I think... Getting through one round is such a hurdle. I know they're running out of time with the guys that are contracting the team the way it is, but I think if they get through one round, um, that would be considered success, even if they happen to bow out in the second. Won't be happy about it. It'll be another missed opportunity, Pierre, but I think one would be enough. And again, this is why the, the, the playoff losses to Columbus and Montreal haunt this organization, because you would look at this team so differently going seven with Tampa last year, right? Um, but they didn't. They lost to teams they should have beaten in those playoff series. So I, 
first of all, I love the question because it feels like the question should actually be asked to the MLSE board of directors, by the way. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> ultimately, it's true. How they feel uh, about that question will have a dramatic impact on, on the offseason. Um, I'll go with two rounds because I think if the, this team wins two rounds, it will have beaten arguably two of the three most imposing teams in front of them in the East. And I'm including Carolina in there. But uh, yeah, two rounds would be pretty impressive. I think that I was I was debating between those two answers, actually. And uh, I think it's two as well, MJ, because you're right in everything you say, you know, the last six years and you're playing a team that's been to three straight Stanley Cup finals in Tampa. But I think it'll be really empty if you sure. get, Pat, you make that first step. And no matter who the opponent is, and you're right about Boston, if you go out quietly and five to Boston or whatever in the second round, it's almost going to feel as empty uh, for a Leaf fan as 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 losing in the first round. And but. James, there's this danger where, like, there's this kind of thought where if they ever get through the first, look out, burden mm-hmm. lifted, yeah. they'll be soaring, here they go, conquered I've been all guilty the of saying and that. Like, and then if yeah. it doesn't go that way, like, oh, they look the same in the second round as they have right, previously in right. the first. Like, wait a second, that's not how it's supposed to go. I think if this whole window closes without them winning or without them getting out of the first round, it's that, that year of the Canadian division sure. is the one that'll haunt them the most. And the bubble. Never, never was a path more clear. Yeah, the bubble too. But that Canadian division year, you were pretty much. Yeah, that's right. There how old at the moon? That's how easy it was to get to the conference final or the semifinal it was called back then. Worst thing is my. Memories of Carey Price stopping the lease and now we got the barking. Yeah. Um, my my wife is at home, so I have no one to control my dog. So I'm going to ask a question, yes. and then I'll get my dogs under control. Uh, we were doing trade deadline stuff, and we tend to focus more on the individual players. Uh, you know, yesterday you were talking about uh, Timo Meyer. We were talking about Patrick Kane a little bit. But let's run through the teams at the top and maybe go through. Pierre, maybe you can start with each one, and MJ can comment on what do you think they need or they're looking for, starting with Boston. Yeah, we know the Bruins have talked to Arizona about uh, Jacob Chikorin. I think they've talked to Columbus, from what I understand, about Gabrikov. I mean, the Bruins, interestingly enough, because I like their top four, have looked at D. They've also looked at um, some options up front. We know they were in the Horvat conversation with Vancouver. I don't think it went that far, but they, they certainly talked to them. So I think a bit of both uh, would be ideal for the Bruins. It's an all-in year. Um but the other thing is, you know, and Cam Neely is on the record saying this, and I know Don Sweeney feels the same way. They're not big on rentals. They've really become this team. You know, last year they trade for Adams Lindholm, but make sure they extend him. You know, they trade for Taylor Hall a couple of years ago, but they were really, really hoping they could sign him in the summer, and they did. So they have this sort of forward-thinking uh, philosophy as well, which is awesome because it's why they keep extending their window, but it's also a lot more difficult to pull off. But um, I think you'll see them at the very least add on D. I would say depth pieces at most, because I think there's a real risk. If you bring in something of consequence, the group, which has been so perfectly in tune with each other can be disruptive. Mm. And I think there's a risk in that that might be uh, more impactful than whatever uptick you might have by adding a, a good player. Now, unless it's, I think we'll get chick right. You're like, Oh my God, like how much is too much? Like they already have enough good players, but I would think, you know, if they go get Gavrikov for the third pair, if they go get a third-line winger or, or Luke Shen, line, whatever. Luke Shen, maybe. Like, yeah. that, that, just that's it. Because I would be so worried about messing up what has been a perfect thing. I always, you know, we we have to, we talk about trade deadline like that. Oh, the contenders have to do something. If you're having, as you called it earlier, Mike, one of the greatest seasons of all time, like doing nothing. If, if, if the Bruins did nothing at the deadline, would we, would we be standing there when we do winners and losers at the end of the day going, the Bruins didn't add anything. How, how can you criticize them if they don't add anything when they've been nearly perfect? Exactly. They don't have to add anything. Right. Like, you know, sometimes doing less is more. You just, you know, being busy for busy sake, it doesn't make sense. It has to serve a purpose. And right now there's not a ton of needs in depth pieces, maybe in case of injury. Like, like that's mm-hmm. about all you're looking for. Right. Uh, by the way, I'm going for folks, Western Conference fans, I'm going basically NHL points percentage from top to bottom here. And we'll try to go quickly through them. Carolina is second overall, Pierre. They have about $10 million in cap space <laughs> ahead of the deadline with Max Pacioretty gone for the year and uh, and just the way they've maintained their cap overall. Uh, Andre Cassi uh, also at LTIR. So they can add up front, they can add on D. They're trying to do both. They're in hard on Timo Meyer. Uh, I think they have interest in Patrick Kane. 
Um, they've looked at different D options. Again, there's another team with a terrific top four, but it's all about the grind of the four rounds and you can never have enough depth. I think the Hurricanes are going to try to swing uh, both forward and D. They really, really want uh, Timo Meyer. They need a scoring forward, right? They lost Max Pacioretty. He was brought in to be that short, quick impact, quick strike kind of offensive guy. He doesn't need a lot of chances. They'd like to replace something like him. And if we're being greedy, maybe an uptick on Kakaniemi, who scored a lot better as of late. So maybe they don't feel that need quite as much in the second line center spot. But, you know, they have the money, which most good teams don't. And they have a need as a scoring winger, which Pacioretty was supposed to fill. So pick your pick whoever would fill that void. Timo Meyer is the best guy. Kane would be... You know, something if he went down there. He's obviously looking pretty good as of late. So, yeah, scoring winger for sure. Who wants uh, Meyer more, Carolina or Jersey? Jersey. <laughs> Boy, Jersey. it's close. Because Fitzy I mean, th- knows. Like, Tom Fitzgerald yeah. knows, and he's talked about he loves his players. He doesn't love that they're smaller. Like, right. he knows they're great. Hughes, he's a brat. He'd like a guy mm-hmm. with a little, little heft to his game. He got Pilat. Kind of like that player, but now it's a more skilled, younger, better version of Palat, Timo Meyer, to help them. And they have the cap space to make it work for a couple of years if they want to. So and, uh, and, and, I think it's Jersey. Yeah, and, and the caveat with the Devils, as we've talked about on Insider Trading, is that they would need Timo Meyer to be signed, uh, either right in the moment or, or at least enough comfort level knowing they could do it within a few weeks. But um, if they could get Timo Meyer signed and trade for him and then find a way to extend uh, Jesper Bratt in the offseason, Bratt, Meyer, Hughes, he's your holy jump. I'll just say this, Pierre. Bratt, who's an entirely different player, would have a very compelling case that he has been better than Timo Meyer the last two years. So if <laughs> right. you trade for Timo Meyer and pay him eight and a half or something like that, Jesper Bratt's like, well, there's the absolute baseline that I'm going to take. Because I've been better than him the last two years. I may be lighter. I may be smaller. But I have been better. That negotiation, one on the other. And Brad's pretty stubborn. He didn't take a term deal last year because he kind of bet on himself. And he's and he's lightened it up. Um, that becomes a sticky negotiation with Jesper Brad. And and we know that you know uh, the Winnipeg Jets and the St. Louis Blues and, and the Vegas Golden Knights have also showed interest in Timo Meyer. Let's not forget them. But the thing about Carolina is that they have indicated to San Jose. And I don't know if this gives them an inside edge or it, or it's irrelevant but Carolina has let San Jose know we will trade for Timo Meyer without even talking to his agent or trying to extend him we're happy just to grab him and worry about the rest later feels like that's the best chance of one of those overpay big bounty deals just because there's so much interest in that guy and he's such a fit on so many different teams this year because even like the Patrick Canes of the world I don't know it's specific teams and he's got control right Timo Meyer's kind of willing to go more places right able to go more places you could get like six seven teams in on a bidding war I don't want to spend too much time on the lease because we talked about them a lot uh probably like a depth defenseman Luke Shen type of situation I suppose there's still a possibility Pierre of something something big if you're gonna go all in you might as well go all all in I think they'd like to add on D those are the conversations uh, from hearing from other teams that are still happening with the Leafs. I mean, Luke Shen would be a possibility. Uh, I, I don't think they can spend up to Gavrikov. Uh, Jake McCabe, the Hawks are asking for a first round pick. Obviously, the Leafs just traded their first round pick. So I don't know where that is in terms of the first pick. round pick 2032. Well, I told there you. There we go. Well, maybe, but um, it, it's the, it's replacing some of the, and I mean, you know, MJ might put me in my spot here because this is the old school of me, but it's, it, I think the concern is replacing some of that Jake Muzzin sandpaper, I think is what they're looking at, um, the physicality. Um, and, um, you know, it's easier said than done. You need a guy who can play with sandpaper, but can also pass the puck. That's the challenge, right? Sure. That's the challenge. Yeah. Interesting, Luke Shen. I was, uh, Talking to O about this last night, it felt like I don't know about five years ago, like his career was on over. his way out of the league. Yeah, like he was yeah. like that he was done, and then he goes and wins. Do he win two Stanley Cups or or one Stanley Cup in Tampa? I lose two. track of who's it. wins cups and is now you know sought after as a depth defenseman. Huge uh, credit to him because he he put a lot of new type of off season work into his game. He, mm-hmm. um, I think I, I don't I don't want to name the wrong guy, but he worked with the development the skills guy. Uh, might have been Adam Oates, so what the heck? I'll, I think that's what I think it was. Yeah, think it was. And, yeah. And so you're thinking, you know, what are you doing? Like, that's usually for four, scoring forwards, but but he wanted to improve his mobility, and 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 good for him. I mean, that's just that's devotion. I'll just say this though: if you're going to get Luke Shen, and I don't know what the cost is, like you got to know what you're getting. 
Right. He, he is a depth defenseman. He right. does hit block shots. Awesome guy. All the stuff we know. And he may be more mobile, but you know when he plays with Quinn Hughes, he's got great numbers because Quinn Hughes gets the puck out of the end. When he doesn't play with Quinn Hughes, numbers not nearly as good because he doesn't do that himself. So you, you got to know what you're getting and put him in the right role for sure. Other thing is Luke's wife, I believe, is due, due any on, on Trade Center. Like, that's the official due date, which would make the greatest trade interview we've ever had. Like, FaceTime from the delivery room. <laughs> Gino Retta gets him on the phone. <laughs> right? And it's like, and you you get like, oh, it'll be like, uh, uh, what's your reaction to the deal? And you hear the background. Ah! Like, oh, jeez. The you don't want to go to Toronto? <laughs> family's, not, family's not thrilled with the whole thing. I mean, that would have to the, the top, no, top I, two I trades. For, go I, ahead, I go ahead. so much for, for Luke that way, though. Like, there's so much going on in his life right now. And, and let's face it, in a perfect world, he would have known his fate a month ago, you know, so that they could make all the arrangements that they need. But anyway, right. I get it. I was just going to say, I, th- I think the most memorable interviews on Trade Center, uh, Chris, uh, why am I having a brain cramp this morning? Well, Ron Tugnut, I think, was on the toilet. When we got him year, years ago and, and said he'd been trying. Come on, really? Yeah. And um, then no, there was no, no, Chris. Le- Chris Campoli? Chris who? No, I'm sorry, Chris. Why am I Brian and Greycraft this morning? His brother's on uh, the Rival Network. Um, come on. He was traded from the Sabres to the Wild. I uh, hope Chris can edit this out. Oh, Chris Stewart. I, Chris Stewart, thank, thank you. Chris and Anthony. I'm sorry to Chris and Anthony, who I, I'm sure are faithful listeners to the podcast. <laughs> but uh, so Chris gets traded from, uh, I think, Buffalo to Mini. And Gino, who a lot of people don't know, Gino works behind the scenes getting guys on the line. And he says, yeah. okay, we got Chris Stewart on the line. And I'm like, Chris, what do you think of the trade? And Chris says, uh, uh, I don't know. We're, what's the trade? Like, uh, you don't know where you've been traded to? Oh, I remember this. No. (laughs) Right? And uh, so that was very awkward. And then you have a decision to make, James. Do I just say, listen, we'll wait for your call, then call us back? Or are you just like, no, I'm going to do it on live TV? No, I think he wanted to know, and he was okay with it afterwards. But I I felt awkward about it. Because you do remember that there are lives, you know, kids in school and families and things like this. So hopefully Luke Shen from the delivery room on Trade Center. Um, Okay, quickly. uh, Rangers... Pierre, uh, already one big move, already a couple of moves. Well, so here's, you know, we'll, we'll, let's get to Patrick Kane in a way by using the Rangers to get to him. Um, you know, and I heard drags in the Leafs yesterday. Here's the thing about Patrick Kane. I think that Pat Berthon, and he's probably right, uh, is not um, discouraged by the fact that the Rangers went to get Tarasenko and the Leafs went to get Ryan O'Reilly. I think Pat Berthon feels deep down that he's got a Hall of Fame client who, if he decides he wants to get traded, which as we're taping this today, he still hasn't decided whether he wants to move, that if they say Rangers, just to use an example, that the Rangers will just try to find a way <laughs> because it's Patrick Kane. So that he, he's such a wild card for this trade deadline for, for so many reasons that it could be a team that doesn't even really particularly need him, but it's like Patrick Kane wants to come to us. What do we do? And so I, I'm looking forward to seeing that situation play out if indeed Patrick Kane wants to get dealt. Is this going to be Jerome McGinley, Mike, where he can just say, this is the team, you know, Iggy had two, and then in the end it was one that he wanted to be traded to. I don't, I don't remember what you're talking Confer- about. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing about that story for anybody who's, uh, uh, that was the night Aaron Ward, when he used to be on our panel, had Iggy going to uh, Boston. And it ended up he was going to Pittsburgh. But, you know, Wardo takes a lot of flack for that. But the truth is, I mean, he was he was wrong in the sense that it was, he didn't get it right. Hey, but the Bruins thought they had him. The trade the had been made. Him, yeah. Like in the Bruins' yeah. office, they said, we just got Iggy. Yeah. We just traded for Iggy. And that's some some source Pe- told Wardo Pe- that. Peter Shirelli, the GM at the time, told his owner in Boston, we have right. Jerome McGinley. Right, and then they call uh, Feaster, I believe, was a GM in Calgary, right? Called Iggy and said, we traded you to Boston. And he goes, nah, I don't think I want to go there. <laughs> I want to go to Pittsburgh. Oops, had the no trade clause. <laughs> MJ's favorite. So, I mean, Wardo was right, mm-hmm. but then he wasn't yes. wasn't right yes. anymore, and it's become a longstanding uh, trade center gag here at, uh, at TSN. But MJ, the point is, is Patrick Kane just going to say, this is the team I want to go to make it happen? I think so, and if you're Kyle Davidson, like, what do you do? Don't you kind of just have to make it happen if the even if the return is not as great as you could otherwise be? Because if he's not coming back and you can get 
I don't know, even a second round pick and a B prospect instead of the right. four pick haul, you probably do it anyways. And I do think the Rangers, who are as good as any team in the league, like literally, they're they're a fantastic team this year. They could use another top nine winger. Like they have Jimmy Vesey right. playing on the, you know, who's had a good year as well. But they've had him, they have him playing in their top nine. You know, you could slide him down to the fourth line and be a really good checking line and put someone yeah. else of consequence in their top nine mm-hmm. if they could somehow get it done and be absolutely stacked top to bottom. So yeah, I I don't think it's out of the question that they could make and they end. If you cut Kane into a quarter, right? You get a half eaten, then another half eaten, and you dump yeah. like eight hundred thousand dollars and put a couple people in the minors and carry like twenty one guys. The Rangers can do it without hmm. jumping through too many hoops. Yeah, it's like two point something million. Yeah. Uh, Larry Brooks wrote about it this week in the New York Post. Um, the other thing about Kane, and I want to be clear about this, is that it's not going to be okay. I've decided I, I want to get traded. Here are six teams that I would consider. My understanding is that. Pat Brisson and Patrick Kane, and this is similar to Pat Brisson and Claude Giroux a year ago, are going to go to Kyle Davidson and the Blackhawks and say, here's the one team yeah. that we're comfortable going to. Uh, could you please, if you can, go work out a trade with that one team? So that's, you know, that's a different thing. Yeah, Driggs brought up the idea, what if that's Toronto? And, you know, uh, Kane was trying to put a cold water on that, I think, while he was in Toronto and scored that hat-trick game, but... That would be fascinating. I mean, it'd be fascinating any Canadian team. Well, then Ryan O'Reilly plays center in the third line. You know that much, right? Like, yeah, there, there's yeah, your answer. Yeah. If they get a top six winger, there's your one, two, three, right. four centerman. Right, right. Uh, Tampa, I mean, Julian Breesbaugh says he can't do much, but he said that for the last three years, hasn't he, Pierre? He has. The difference is he literally has traded all his first round picks this time uh, in the Brandon Hagel trade a year ago. He, he did say to me, and I think he repeated it uh, the next day to, to his media as well, that. Um, he would like to go out and get a Nick Ball type player, which is, you know, that guy's been impactful for Tampa. So they, they are trying to do something. Um, you know, I, I think if they could add in their top nine, but also add a, some depth on D, I, I think the Lightning would be happy. But, and, and again, I'll give Julian Breesbuck credit. He stopped the act of saying we're going to do nothing. He understands we're on to him. But <laughs> but his ammunition is, is, is a little more limited than other years. Fool me once. Shame on me. Fool me twice. I won't get fooled again. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, they'll figure something out. They're really good as is. Um, yeah. You know, what if Patrick Kane says he wants to go to Tampa? That's my team I want to go to. How do you work out that? It becomes difficult that he gets traded for two third rounders and a first in 2032. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny about that? You know how in the moment, James, you would know this. You're one of the great interviewers uh, on, on sports TV, a lot of Canadian Screen Awards. Um, you know when you when you when you're interviewing someone, and and it's you, not a requirement <laughs> to mention it every time. Yeah, okay. But thank okay, you. Sorry, sorry. You know when you're interviewing someone, and and then you're realizing like days later, oh, I didn't even I didn't even clue into what he just hinted at. We had Eric Carlson on this podcast uh, about a month ago, I guess it was, and out of nowhere, we were talking about how he really wants to win, and that's going to trump all his other decisions, probably. So he clearly is up for a trade if that can ever happen. But out of nowhere, we were talking about how it's difficult to pick your spot, right? Parity and this. And he goes, you know, some teams have no cap room, you know. You know, Tampa's probably... And he just started talking about Tampa. And then days later, I was thinking to myself, he's buddies with Victor Hedman. I wonder how often those two guys text each other. Well, wasn't it... I I might be having false memories to an extent here, but when Carlson was the buzz around, I think, a couple of different trade deadlines, but one in particular in Ottawa when he ended up not getting traded, he was our big story all of Trade Center. Then the trade didn't happen until the end of the summer. But his preferred spot was Tampa at that time, I'm pretty sure. And it was you know all about him joining his good buddy, Victor Hedman. So um, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, obviously that can't happen. now there's no way that can happen, right? There's Not no until the summer, at least. There's no chance that. Eric Carlson could go to Tampa. Zero chance in any possibility. I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> there's no chance. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, let's get to some of the West teams. The highest uh, point percentage team in the West is Vegas. Always an interesting team. At least they have been since they came into the league at deadline, Pierre. Yeah, they've been all in since day one, and they continue to be. Uh, they have Mark Stone's not, uh, $9.5 million AAV to play with now. Um, you know, I believe they talked to San Jose on Timo Meyer. Uh, and I think they're another Patrick Kane potential landing spot. Um, no question about it. Or they could turn around if they feel like they don't have the goods to go after a big fish. They could also turn around and be a broker team. I've heard 
from other sources. So the Vegas is looking at a lot of different things here. And they also have an injury in goal, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of what we said about uh, Carolina. You know, they've lost their high-scoring winger. You're never going to replace Mark Stone, a healthy Mark Stone. He's too good. But they have the cap space. You know, they have the uh, urgency to make it happen. I do like that, too. Like, listen, they have the money. Even if you can't swing for the fences and get a $10 million player, which they could afford now. Like, you could broker some deals. You could get some draft capital. You could flip that draft capital somewhere else to make other deals. I imagine they'll go get probably two players to try to replace Mark Stone with that money uh, and see what they could do heading to the playoffs. Yeah, maybe Barbashev makes sense for them, right, MJ? Someone like that. It's funny. Vegas, like, often in the last couple of years, I felt like they were, like, a serious cup contender, uh, either going into a season or going into the playoffs. And I don't feel that this year. Who do you feel that about in the West, though, James? Yeah, nobody about, really. I, mean, I, I, I think Colorado. the best six teams in the league yeah. <laughs> all play in the East. Yeah, I'd say Colorado only because you figure they could just turn it on uh, at some point. And uh, I don't know. If Edmonton could ever figure a goaltending, I, I still think that. Sure. You know, but you wouldn't take the them over talent. any of the top six teams in the East no. probably. Right? No, no, right no. It's wide open in the West for sure. But maybe that's, mm-hmm. the, but, but maybe that's the luxury the West teams in the West have. It is yeah. wide open. Like there are no great teams in the West as of today. So, um, right. you know, if you get on, if you get on a roll, if you get the right mix, a Western team could get to the cup. Any of the teams that make the playoffs, make the Stanley cup final. I'd be like, okay. Yeah. That well, that's sense. why I think the next two teams, Winnipeg and Edmonton mm-hmm. kind of got to be both in really go for it mode, right? Winnipeg doesn't often do that. They're uh, especially deadlines They're You know, they'll make moves, but don't you feel like because of what MJ just said, Pierre, like this is a time for both of those teams to, Try to go as all in as you can go. I mean, you know, you don't have a choice if Patrick Kane doesn't want to come to your team, but elsewhere, all the, some of the other guys available. Yeah, and to the Jets' defense, you just nailed it, James. There, are, <laughs> there are some guys that aren't going to wave to go to Winnipeg. So, mm-hmm. so they, they've already they've always had the odds stack against them at trade deadlines. But let's give Kevin Shelley off credit. He brought in Paul Stashny one year, who had a terrific playoff. Um, so it's not like they they, they haven't done anything. Um, you know, as we said, the Jets have inquired on Timo Meyer, which is quite interesting to me, but it may end up being something lesser. Like I speculated last week, like at the 11th hour, if, if Genny Dananoff is still there for the Montreal Canadiens, could you get the guy almost for free if you're Winnipeg? You know, like something uh, to help mm-hmm. your, your four group. Here's the thing about the Jets. I would be all in if I were them because you don't know how the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation is going to play out for sure after this season. What's the future for Shifley, Wheeler, this does feel like, you know, we got all the horses right now. We should double down, I think, if you're Winnipeg, if it's possible. Yeah, almost like the last dance for these guys. Like, all the contracts expiring. Dubois will be able to call his own ticket wherever he wants shortly. Um, I think they need wingers. I, I think with Shifley and with Dubois and Adam Lowry, they need wingers. And so right. the easiest thing probably to get at deadline time is wingers that kind of middle six guys don't have to be superstars. Meyer's great if they can do it, but if not – Going to get guys who can just give it a little bit more um, middle six kind of guys, that would help them uh, because they got the goalie. Like that goalie can take them a long Ooh. way. Oilers. They need defense. Yeah. I'm putting it out there. <laughs> just, you heard it. Carlson, here first. I, I heard you on SportsCenter though. Like Carlson, they can't. Can they make that work with Tyson Berry? Yes, he pulled Harvey. Five million right. retained. There's your cap space wash contract then you have to pay to get him, which will be Broberg and Borgo and a first. Yeah. There's your deal. Like, it, they it, can do it. Now, if you get that. Does it make sense? And does it make any sense to you? Well, even, even though taking my thought of this is time to go for it with the West wide open, does it make any sense? Yeah. I mean, not to throw guys' names in the mix, but like like Tyson Berry, who's had a very good year again. He's like Eric Carlson, but Carlson's much better. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I, th- I think you're putting yourself in a jam going forward. You better hope Eric Carlson can stay healthy. But, yeah, I mean, if the cap gets up to 90 in two years, next year will be tight again, but in two years it goes to 90. Yeah. Like, if you get Eric Carlson for $7 million, he's going to be a 60 to 70-point defenseman, you'd think, for the next two years after this one. Yeah. I, I mean, the Oilers... I think, it, have, I think you do. I think, I think you have to give it serious consideration. Yeah, the Oilers have tried to really you know, minimize this storyline, I think, because of the enormity of it. But the reality is they've had they've had these discussions with San Jose, and it's absolutely fascinating. Um, and if he's willing to go, which not everyone would be to Edmonton. Right. 
So selfishly I, around 1.30 p.m. Oh, Eastern, that would be oh really good. Really good. That'd be unreal. Maybe I, I earlier, maybe you know, 11 so we could carry the, the whole day. Well, with four hours. I, I, hope, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I, I still feel like this is a summer trade for the San Jose Sharks. That's crazy, though. If you're going to go get them, get them now. Get two right. playoffs out of them. Get them now. Well, not well, now. Get them well, in I'm nine days. That, yes. I'm saying a summer trade. Maybe not to Edmonton. It could be that. Yeah, uh, I know. Right. But I'm saying whoever go get him. Go get him. He's never played better in his life. Go get him now for two playoffs. Well, you know, maybe better that 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 year that they went to the uh, East was final right. was pretty damn good. He's never had this many points. We'll yeah, say that. that's that that's fair. That's yeah. Fair. He's probably going to win the Norris if he keeps this yeah. up. Um, you know, the Oilers have talked to Columbus about Gavrikov. I mean, listen, you name a D. We we spent a lot of time on this podcast this year with Ryan Rashog talking about this. They've checked on every D, so they they do want to get that done if they can. And quickly, Calgary. You know. Boy, as we tape this, four points out, mm. inconsistent. Um, I don't know that you could spend a lot of futures here if you're Brad Tree Living, who, and I hate to bring this up, but whose own future is, you know, Brad Tree Living's contract's up at the end of the year. This has just not gone the way that everyone had planned. You know, Jonathan Huberto still trying to find his way, and um, Jacob Markstrom has not looked good. Boy, I would not be spending a lot. I, like, I, I honestly think this this could be quiet for them if, if they don't hmm. start getting on a heater soon here. I think they just look, James, like we just need the players we have to play better. Yeah. Like, they're kind of a hard team to change drastically unless you're going to trade a guy, you know, a Hannafin or a week, like, you know, somebody with a ton of term who's a good player. Tinkering for Calgary is difficult because they've tinkered already. They just need the guys they have there who they think are much better and are much better than they've played so far as a group to do that. And they might get in. Starting with the goaltender on out, but I I don't I don't know what they do, James. Like it's not an easy sort of quick fix. Do this, and all your problems will be solved. I think their problems are largely internal. Right. I don't think we have time to cover everybody. I was trying to cover the teams that are either in playoff positions or just. It's Colorado though, Pierre. Real quick, because everyone's terrified of Colorado. When they get healthy, when they get healthy, Kale McCarr just left again. With the concussion Ah. protocol, second time, first game back, and he didn't make. Eric Johnson's out long term. What? Like, are they going to go get, are they going to be aggressive? They have the space now. They can Eric Johnson. They can use, they can Kucherov, Eric Johnson, all the way to the deadline with a broken ankle. They're not <laughs> I, l- I love that Kucherov is a verb now. Yeah, it's my verb. <laughs> but they're not making it up. He's got a broken ankle. But are they going to go get a second line center? We thought forever they would. Like, are they going to well, be aggressive? JT Comfer's played really well of late, by the way. And I, I know. He'd be really I mean, good as a third line center. Yeah. So, so uh, yes, I, I, I believe they will be aggressive. I, I think they had some, some real interest in Ryan O'Reilly before he went to the Leafs. Um, I think Sean Monaghan was a guy they were looking at before he just, you know, went went into uh, this injury abyss. So I think they want to add a top nine forward. I also think they may add on D. And the reason they might add on D, you're talking about when they're healthy, maybe the, the best blue line in hockey, but Carolina might differ with that. But I think the injuries, the recurring injuries on defense this year, now Makar is out. Uh, Bowen By- Byram is finally back. He's playing lights out, but his injury history, uh, Manson is back after an injury. Eric Johnson's out now. I wouldn't be surprised if they add both a top nine forward and add some uh, depth on D. Uh, Colorado wants to have all it can to defend its title. means a lot to them. Linus Cog is skating now. Uh, by the way, what a nightmare. Whoever you are in the Western Conference, and if Colorado adds and looks a little healthier and it's mid-April and you just happen to have drawn them in the first game of the playoffs in your own building. <laughs> Enjoy that. Yeah. Congrats. I think they'll make noise too, but I, I think it's a reminder to us. Tampa skewed the the storyline of how hard it is to repeat in the NHL these days because it really is so hard to get back. Mm, Pittsburgh be- as well. Just yeah, because just because of injury luck and everything else, and the grind of winning a Stanley Cup, and I think it reminds us how crazy it is that Tampa's been to three straight Stanley Cup Finals and look good again this year uh, to at least make a run at it. Okay, uh, the final segment of the show. Apparently, um, I have two thoughts on this. First of all, the quizmaster wrote down red flag, yellow flag, no flag. <laughs> apparently, a red card, a yellow card, no card. Uh, either one uh, befuddles me a little bit because why on a hockey podcast? Why on a hockey podcast do you use a soccer soccer analogy as a segment? Uh, maybe when Rashad gets back from his uh, uh, sexual spiritual meditation retreat, 
um, in Maya Tulum or wherever the hell he is, uh, he can explain that. But I guess the deal is that red flag means no, right? You're angry with it. Yellow flag means maybe, and no flag means you're okay with it. Is that essentially the, the premise you, of the of the segment? You got it. So, okay. It. All right. So Jake Chikrin, uh, Gavrikov, guys who've been scratched for multiple games simply because of trade-related reasons. And now it's extending pretty far. So red card, yellow card, or no card for the GMs who've taken this long-accepted strategy that you can protect assets, even though if they're sitting out multiple games, it affects the integrity of games and of the standings. Yeah, you can go first, Pierre. I think the tough part in, in trying to legislate this, and, and I'm not a big fan of it, but at the end of the day, the, the, the coaches in general have the right under the CBA to decide who, what their lineup is. So I, I don't know how you come up with a rule that says, well, you can't, you know, scratch Jacob Trickin three weeks out because that's that doesn't make sense. He's a top board defender. I, I, I think you're going down a rabbit hole that's difficult to contain. I, it's a yellow flag for me because I don't like the spirit of it, but I don't think there's anything you can do about it. Uh, I'm going to give <laughs> this yellow flag. Yeah, yellow flag. Or yellow card, sorry. <laughs> now we're doing, fo- we're doing football and See? football. Yeah. We are mixing all our analogies right now, James. You're messing the whole thing up. Listen, I'm giving no card to the GMs because guess what? It's within the rules. And if I'm a GM, I don't care if any – they're leaving my team anyways. I don't care about the, the standings. I don't care about the players' feelings. All I care is about making my team as good as I can make my team. Nobody else's. So no card for the GMs. Yellow card that it's allowed. There should be some sort of language, and there isn't, because you can't really mm. dictate that guys have to play. But there's some sort of yellow card for the whole CBA that there's not something in there that precludes teams from scratching guys for trade-related reasons for too long. Like, could you do it for a month, for two, for four? Like, it, it, you know, it just it, it, it's, it feels wrong, but not right. on the GM, but just on the situation. So no card for the GMs, yellow for the CBA or the situation. I mm. think that's fair. I mean, it's going to be tough because you're going to have people making up injuries. The NBA is dealing with something related listen, to this. Yeah. When the player, when, when, when Gavrikov was like, I'm not injured, get me a doctor that says I'm injured. Like, you know, you can find ways like to, right. to make sure that – to say that I'm not, you can, you, you know, you can prove you're not injured. Right. If you wanted to. I'm just saying the NBA is going through a situation now where, you know, players are resting all sorts of mm-hmm. places. And, uh, you know, you'll take, they'll leave four starters home on a road trip or whatever. So fans who've paid whatever hundred, this has been going on for a while, right. but it's gotten bad now. You pay hundreds of dollars to see, you know, LeBron or whoever, and they don't even, they don't even show up and there's not even any feign of injury and there's no trades involved. It's just mm. sitting guys in the regular season. The NHL's done a pretty good job. It doesn't really happen in hockey where guys just get nights off maybe the last couple days of the year or something. In the like last that, three or four days. Yeah, yeah but that, that's about it. Uh, well, let's get the, uh, the ultimate arbiter on this, Terry Ryan. When it comes to scratching players indefinitely due to quote-unquote trade-related reasons like Jacob Chikrin and Vladislav Gavrikov, for example, I'm given a yellow card. I think it's greasy, but now it's part of the game. While I understand the concept for a game or two, teams that scratch a guy for an undisclosed period of time are taking advantage of a situation that, quite frankly, puts them in a better position to draft first overall, this year being Connor mm. Bedard. Sitting out your best players is an easy way to tank. It's nothing new. There's no real way to enforce a penalty in this situation, so it is what it is. In my point of view, tickets to any NHL game are expensive, and I hate seeing fans get cheated of the best viewing experience because, after all, they're the ones paying the bills. Sitting players also masks injuries they do have, like the situation that unfolded with Felino in Toronto a few years back. I don't like it, but I think it's here to stay, and it's hard to enforce a penalty. Therefore, yellow card. Final answer. Or yellow flag. Yes. Yellow highlighter. <laughs> of all sorts of things we could call this segment. Thank you, Terry. That's why he's the ultimate arbiter. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, by the way, he teased something about the uh, the Bedard tanking that I, I want to tease. Uh, uh, MJ's not aware of this because you, you can't participate because you're on the road. Pierre, I believe, is going to be making a cameo. I'm very hopeful. Uh, I don't want to give you? away too much, but... It's been a, a few years since we made Puck Over Glass. Mm-hmm. been a few years since we made Don't Take My Goal Away, the other hit single. And uh, eh, there might be something coming around Trade Center. Uh, mm. Might be you something. Know. Might be a... 
Might be a, might, the band might be getting back together. Uh, I mean, I'm right? not that's gonna, all I want to say. I'm not going to lie. My two career choices were cover hockey for a living or be a rock star. So, right. well, this is your opportunity. I think you buddy. chose poorly. I'd like to see you as a rock star. <laughs> well, I think we may get that opportunity, perhaps, if things go well. I, you know, I think that I, I didn't like get the podcast canceled. Right? No, not yet. No, I mean, I got through. Amazing. I, think I got through the segments. Seeing that this is the first time I've listened to it, actually doing it. I think we did okay. We went through a bunch of teams, probably like Ottawa and Vancouver will be mad at us because we didn't get to them. Montreal, maybe. But hey, there's a time limit on everything. These guys have busy days. Uh, MJ with his like 94th different background. MJ, um, I know you make, you're always on the road and such. This background particularly, uh, is this your new house that you've purchased? This is a new house. Uh, office still coming together. Yeah, because I was going to say. This, this, this picture. Right. Actually, I quite like it. I purchased it at Saku Koivu's charity event back when I was in Montreal. I did the silent auction and got it. Wow. And although I think my daughter wants it in what her it, bedroom. What is it? A, what is it? A, it's like a, a street of skate of like Europe, some, like some Europe, European Tuscany, town. whatever. But it's got a bar right. in it, which is always fun. So, um, mm. But I, I, this goes back to my Montreal days. I've had it for 15 years, but it's still, I like it. Because uh, I was going to say, no offense, because I'm sure your house is beautiful. But at this point in time, this looks like, you know, when they, when they, Either a hostage situation, um, or if they find like a serial killer or a terrorist, this is what their apartment looks like mm-hmm. when they when the cops break in and all the movies wow. I've ever watched. There's like one chair, a little old desk, and you know. James, you wait for the final. You've seen the work firsthand. The designers of my places do. They will be very offended of that. <laughs> very offended. Well, I, I, you mean this is just this, this is the final product here? Not yet. There's other this pieces is, to come for sure, yeah. but. I don't know. I'm just saying that just needs a little more. I'm not sure of the placement of the little white chair. Oh, no. Okay. So that's not it. See, I thought that was a desk behind it. That's like a. No, it's a credenza. So, so oh, Duffy oh, waits credenza. for the final. Duffy waits for the final minute to take a swing at MJ. That's like, a, that's like his dog has emphysema back there. Like, what is he talking <laughs> hey, about? You can't make fun of Willow. Look at her. She's been, there's been no poops. The entire podcast. I've been hearing her like snore the whole time. Yeah, that's that's true. These (laughs) microphones are a little too strong. Hugo only barked one time. Everything's gone well. It's been a poop-free podcast. You know, MJ, that I I got to take my shots. I really do. We got a feature in this business, buddy. Great job today. (laughs) Thank you guys for having me on uh, the uh, the Got Your Back podcast. Uh, I don't. I probably won't be doing it again. Um, Ryan, have a great. uh, Good luck on your uh, your meditative spiritual uh, sexuality retreat, and uh, thank you everybody for listening. It'll be it'll be better next time probably with when Ryan's back. We want to tell you about a truly Canadian company. Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals provides equipment and supplies to all facets of the Canadian construction industry. But what sets them apart is their get-or-done attitude. It's a core value of their company. I've been to the offices. I've seen how they proudly display that on the wall at each branch. Every one of the staff members lives by the get-or-done formula to ensure they'll never let their customers down. They'll bend over backwards to get their clientele what they need when they need it. They don't make excuses. Cross Country Canada takes great pride in this attitude and they truly believe that the success of their customer is their success. You can't get much more Canadian than that.